Kennington, and this is Hamlet's podcast, and I'm really excited that you are joining me today because today we're gonna have well, we're kind of we're gonna have a copy a copy chat, and the goal of this podcast is to connect. I want to connect with you guys. You know, we've been doing almost a full year of podcasts, and we've done a lot of teachings and thoughts, and I've been giving you updates about the Cunnington, well, mostly about Truth the Table. But today I wanna talk to you for a few minutes about, well, I just wanna connect, and I wanna answer maybe some questions you may be having about the Cunningtons, about our lives, um, maybe dispel some of the rumors. (laughs) Hopefully, um, Hopefully just encourage you in your own journey as well. So today's podcast is not going to be a bunch of information uh, that you can write down or maybe uh, pass on, but it's going to be more of a heart-to-heart connect because sometimes I just want to connect with you. I don't want to just give you thoughts. I want you to hear me and hear my heart. So this summer has been one of the hardest summers in our family, and that's kind of saying a lot because there was a summer where we lost our job and we had a baby in the NICU and... Uh, we had to move cities and home, sell our first home. And I mean, we've had some summers. Um, and this summer was one of the hardest. And what's so weird about, have you ever done this in your own life, where you prepare, you think, okay, I know that this is a hard season. So I'm going to set up my life so that this season is good. So, I mean, I spent a lot of energy preparing for this summer. I know summers in Reading are hard. I don't know how to explain it. It's probably like winter's. Um, on the East Coast or in Canada or in different places that get a bunch of snow. And, you know, the heat here is so intense. Um, You often feel isolated because the heat you feel um, it's monotonous. It's it's just relentless. And so, you know, a lot of people in in Arizona, they they go away. You know, they board up their house and they go away. Or I know they call them snowbirds in New York where they, you know, they send them down to Florida. But this is kind of what it's like here, but we just don't have that kind of process. So people stick around and you're supposed to have a pool or you're supposed to go to the lake. We don't have a pool. We have a jacuzzi, which is irrelevant (laughs) right now. That's what we wanted to pay for. Um, And we usually go to the lake, but I just knew, okay, I need to prepare. I have four boys. I I don't have a huge house. I don't have a pool. I don't have family in town. So I need to kind of get geared up for this because everybody's coming home. And that sounds really awesome until it happens, you know? And we don't live in a neighborhood where we have a lot of kids that play together. Um, Part of the reason we picked this neighborhood was for safety reasons. And um, really, it was a place, kind of a refuge. Uh, But I didn't even think about that when we we're talking about moving in this neighborhood, I was thinking safety and I can walk the street and not feel nervous. And um, I'm around other people that are living, um, they're self-sufficient and it feels a little less chaotic, but I didn't even think about the kids and friends and the playground and all that. So it's been, note to self, think about that. Although I don't know if I would trade the home that we're in. I really like our house and it's been what God's given us. Uh, But anyway, I really prepped for this summer. And one of the things I did was I planned a two week vacation and I saved up all of our, you know, funds for that and time and energy. I even planned on our team meeting us down there. Then I knew that we would drive to Portland for a family wedding, which was important. You know, your sister-in-law hopefully gets married one time in her life. So we went that direction and I was feeling pretty good. Now, meanwhile, I want to 
I want to take you back a little bit to the beginning of summer because we basically, um, the kids were in school. You guys know what that's like. Everyone is just, it's like the end of the race. You're just trying to make those lunches. You're trying to make sure that everyone has clean clothes. You're, you're just kind of finishing the last. It's not, you're not finishing strong. You're just trying to finish, right? That's, the, that's what school lo- life looks like. So we go into finishing and I plan this, um, this, well, somebody had given us this, uh, this vacation weekend away at this beautiful home. And so I had saved it for Father's Day, brought my brother-in-law up and his family, my dad and mom, we were going to have this beautiful weekend away. And on the way there, we basically had the kids at camp and then they were going to come home and spend some time with us and go to this house. And in the middle of all of that, um, I thought, gosh, this would be a great week since the kids are at camp. Let's get those floors redone upstairs and paint the house because it's just everyone's coming home. I'm not going to have the energy to navigate living in one little bedroom while they're restructuring the house and, you know, cleaning up the house because we basically moved into this home and we didn't touch it. The the carpets, all of it was builder grade. And we just left it. And and four kids and four boys at that, they destroy things. It's not even their fault. You know, they're playing or they're running and they're having a childhood and things get destroyed. So instead of taking it personal, I just realized, okay, we will have to repaint and probably refigure out the flooring. And then on top of that, we added a puppy because we had nothing else to do with our lives. If you're thinking about a puppy, I think you should ask God about that. Anyway, so we, uh, I had the contractors come and I thought they were going to come, I don't know, two or three days. It would be casual. Um, I lean, I think certain people lean on the optimistic or the pessimistic part of their lives. I lean on the optimistic part. My husband's on the pessimism side. So we kind of balance each other out. So I said, oh, it'll be great. I'll, I'll drop the kids off at camp and I'll come back to the house and I'll set the house up for the contractors. We get a call on Friday that says, I'll have eight guys there on Monday morning. And you guys, listen, we're going to go for it. We're going to we're gonna paint. We're going to strip, take the carpets out. We're going to go for it. And I realized, oh my gosh, I don't have anything prepared for this. So we asked our team, can you guys come over? Which nobody... Let me say, when you when you have to move somebody or ask someone to move you, it's literally a labor of love. I feel like it's like the, the test of friendship. <laughs> like, are you willing to come over to my house and move my crap from the top of my house to the bottom? And I don't even know what's behind all of that. So I'm so sorry. So we, um, I, I liked what Lisa Bevere says. She says, I never said crap until I had four boys. And that's true. I never said crap publicly until I have four boys. So, and I never said I'm going to punch you in the face until I had four children either. So anyway, just pray. So we go, I come home and I realize we've got to pack up and pack the kids for camp and all this. And we've got to move every piece of furniture, everything up the walls, all of our beds, all of our clothes out of our closets, everything downstairs, and then drop the kids off. Well, in the middle of all of that, I lose my car keys. And you lose your car keys. You know how it is. You lose your car keys. You think, I'll I'll find them. It won't be that big of a deal. It probably fell behind that thing or fell into that bag. So I am very, again, optimistic. Oh, I'll find it. So I still can't find it. So we've been driving Ben's truck around, driving Ben's truck around. So we go to this cabin. We are with everybody. We come back home and the house is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. The house is beautiful but it is empty. It's literally like we are moving from our upstairs 
Uh, we're moving upstairs again. And um, I have littles. Everyone goes back to school on Monday and I'm here, right? So I'm I'm hauling things. The, the team was wonderful and they came and set the beds up. But I want to make sure that I restructure because I don't know about you, but when you have a family, a young family, if you don't edit and restructure when things are cleaned out and there's a moment, it, you may not ever get to it. So it's one of those things. If you move in a certain way, you know, I go through cupboards and I realize this actually never changed from the moment I moved into the house. I'd like to, I'd like to think that I edit everything, but I don't. You guys know what that's like. So I go in, I start editing and, um, we, we leave for vacation. It's been a little bit chaotic. We, I don't finish that at all. I'm like, you know what? I have all summer. I'll go through boxes. I'll re-edit. It'll be fine. Um, pretty relaxed about it. Go home, go, go to Mexico. And we, the next day we drive up to Portland, drive back down. And the day we get back, our AC is broken. And it's not working. And we're like, oh, it can't be that big of a deal. We've had these guys come out and look at it. And really, some of you are wondering, like, why would you let your AC go? And why would you go without it for six weeks? Spoiler alert, six weeks. Um, but the truth was, we have a home warranty. And we knew that these guys would pay and put in an $8,000 unit if it was dead. And so we just, you know how home warranties are. You have them come out and you pay the $50 and they fix another piece and they have to come back. But you know that eventually it'll be worth, hopefully it'll be worth the money that you've invested. So we, the AC goes out, we go to Walmart, we buy this like $300 little air window unit that only cools about 350 square feet, 350 350. Yeah. So, um, and then the other guy loans us one. So we have two of them in the house and we're just rotating them up and down, up the stairs, right in front of my bed. Cause I am like, I got to sleep. We put one unit in the littles bedroom and put all four boys on the floor to sleep. So it's just getting more and more chaotic as we're doing this. So all four boys are sleeping there. Mom and dad are in the bedroom. Then we take both units. We bring them downstairs for the everyday life, do that. And we're just beginning our summer. And all of a sudden, there's a fire, So you guys know. So we're at this place where there's this weird fire going on, but we're not really sure if this is going to get worse or get better. And I just want to remind you that, you know, we live in, we live in a fire area. So some of you guys live in a tornado area or a hurricane area or a snow area, whatever it is, we live in a fire area. So to have fire is not, it's not an odd thing. In fact, it's pretty common and, um, you know, we may see one or two or a couple homes destroyed, but it's not ever, ever like it was. So we can keep seeing this fire, the car fire grow. And we're thinking, this is really strange. You know, they're going to get it out. This is not going to be a big deal. Like they're going to figure this out. It's kind of far away. It's over by the lake. It can't be that bad. So meanwhile, I'm losing a lot of grace for this AC unit moving, haven't been able to unpack the upstairs of my house yet. Um, just, you know how you're just in survival mode, especially as a mom and a working mom at that. You're just, you know, if everyone can have clean underwear, if everybody had dinner, um, if everybody is just managing their space, I'm good. I don't need it to be anything more fancy than that because there'll be a moment when I'll get to it and it's coming. So I finally, my husband walks in one day to the living room and he says, how are you doing? And I said, I think I'm done. I, I have been doing the AC units for about two weeks, two and a half weeks. And I, I'm kind of done. I feel like I'm kind of claustrophobic with the heat, the smoke. We can't go outside. We can't, we can't get out and move. 
I'm done. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to take your friend Michelle up on her offer to have the house. And um, so he texts her and asks her because she had offered it. And I was like, oh, no, I want to be easy. I don't want to move everybody in. So we go to Michelle's house. And some of you guys saw my Instagram live on this, um, which somehow that really went out all over the world. Because even in Australia, people were saying, I saw it and I was crying and I saw it over here and I'm getting all these messages. So somehow that Instagram story was significant to you, but which I get. I mean, it was it was live. So we go to her house and it's getting more and more smoky. It's feeling kind of odd. It's gloomy. It's, it's like having a foggy day, but it's smoke. That's what it feels like. So the sun is not shining. The sun is kind of red off in the sky. It's, it's ashy. It's like pollen hitting your, your car, but it's soot and dust. And um, so we're up over where people are being evacuated. I pull out to go to work. And when I pull out to go to work, I see that the, the road is blocked off right there. I'm like, that's kind of weird that's blocked right there. Maybe it's just a precaution. The lake's up that way, about, you know, seven minutes away, two minutes away. So we, I go to work and I'm sitting there with the team and I'm beginning to get that anxious feeling. Like this does not feel good. Everybody, it's dark outside. There's everybody, I'm, I'm driving around. I'm seeing people with their trailers, with their animals in them. And um, they're getting, they're packing up, they're moving and we're, we're filming. Like we're, we have work to do. Like no one's going to do this for us. So we're kind of in this mode and I'm talking to the guys in the office and they're like, no, it's fine. And so the girls are, and I are, and I realized because I live in a guy home and I'm, I'm a girl, I realized that girls can be a little bit more intense and a little bit more anxious. So in my head, I'm thinking, I don't want this anxious anxiety to kind of dominate this moment. So I'll just keep working. And so Dustin and Ben decide that they're going to go for a drive and see what's happening. And I said, would you mind going and picking up Bear, our dog? Because I don't want our dog at the house. If they do get evacuated or something bad happens, I want to make sure that Bear is safe. So he goes and they go pick up Bear. They come back and they're like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty intense out there. Like, I don't know, but it does feel a bit intense. So I said, okay. So um, I said, I just feel like let's just go, you know, we'll be fine. But I'm just, I'm just really cautious. So we go pick up the boys from school or pick up them up because we had the sitter take the boys into town and let them go to the library so they could read books and have fun together and not uh, be by the danger area. So we pick up the boys. We go get dinner. This is turning into a long story. Forgive me. For those of you that really love this, thank you. For those of you that don't, I'm sorry. So we go pick up dinner um, quickly, salads and soups, and then run to the house. And we're like, let's watch a movie. You know, let's just, again, we're in AC for the first time in two weeks. We're enjoying this beautiful home that my friend Michelle has. And we're watching the movie. And as we're sitting there, all of a sudden, the lights flash, dark. The TV goes off, everything goes dark. Then it comes back on. You know, you like hear that. And then and everything kind of begins. And like, so Ben and I look at each other and I'm like, this is not good. So I walk, I walk into the living room. And as I walk into the living room, I look at the window. And as I look at the window, I see um, flames. I see massive flames, like flames that are um, not smoke, not even a glow. I see actual flames in the window on the on it and i i just i mean it was like it was it's like seeing it was almost like seeing a tidal wave you you're seeing something come at you and you realize this is really serious 
So I look at Ben and Ben and I are like, we got to get out of here. So we start going in the bedrooms and grabbing our stuff and throwing them in our cars. And I call, so I'm calling, I'm blowing up Michelle's phone. Cause I'm like, Hey, we, we talked about gathering stuff for you, but we really didn't. But what do you need? And I'm fully aware that, you know, um, if she loses her home, we're in her home and this is all she has. So I want to know. So she's yelling, like she, she doesn't talk to me. I'm calling, I'm calling like 15 times. I finally find her mother's number and I call Mary and I say, Mary, I don't know where Michelle is. I can't get a hold of her. I can't get a hold of Ted. What do I do? And she's like, just walk through the house and the Lord will tell you what to grab. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm like, Mary, I don't even know. Like I don't, I'm a, I'm a nowhere. I'm not a here. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. I didn't say that, but in my head, I'm like, Mary, like, I don't hear God like that. So she's so sweet, like just hearing her voice. And she's like, it's okay. It's all right. So she's giving me all this peace. So we, um, as I'm walking back in the house to get the final load and it's eerie because I'm like throwing a dish in the sink. I'm like, what am I doing? I have to stop doing weird things like this. I get, the, I pick Michelle calls. So I pick up the phone from Michelle and I'm like, Michelle, 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 I'm crying. Michelle, I'm in your house and I need to get stuff. What do you need? Like do you have baby books, do you have wedding albums. Do you have, I mean, like, what do you need? And, and she's like, oh, Havala. And she's responding to me. And she says, Havala, you know, just whatever you see, like grab what you think. And she's like, go in my, go in here. And so we go, I go in this little section of her house and she's like, uh, go in this area. And I, and she's like, go in this box. And I go in this box and under this drawer and I open this drawer and, and inside there's this, this thing of money. And I'm like, Michelle, are you a drug dealer? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Why are those all this? She's like, no, no, it's business. It's a business deposit that I didn't, I didn't make yet. So we're, I mean, we're, it's still funny. I'm crying. She's crying. We're, but we're both laughing. And so I start running and grabbing her stuff. And then we have to go, like we have to go. And so I grab everything I know I can grab, throw it in the car. But this is like within three minutes. I don't have, it's not like this luxurious amount of time. And we get in the car and as we're getting in the car, my husband says, gosh, I should go make sure that the neighbors know to leave. So he walks next door and the, there's an older couple there. They're just having a regular evening. And he says, we're leaving. We're, we need to evacuate. And they're like, oh, okay, thank you. So they start, I mean, it's just, it's so hard to explain how surreal this moment is. So we get in our car and we drive out of the neighborhood. And as we're driving out of the neighborhood, there are cars everywhere. And we see this long line of um, first responders coming in with trucks and they're about to go knock on doors and tell people to leave. So we go out and as we leave that neighborhood, which is bumper to bumper now, it's just, it's mayhem. I mean, it's bumper to bumper. People are, are there's cars everywhere. There's smoke, there's sirens. There's, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And we go towards our home and it's just, we go over this bridge and I look out and you can see the flames coming towards that neighborhood. And at that point, now I know um, two of our friends' houses were in that fire. I mean, literally gone, just wiped out. So we, um, we basically go uh, to our house and we say, listen, we're leaving for Australia in three days. We're supposed to go to Sacramento in 24 hours. Let's just pack up and go because we don't really know what this fire is going to do. So we go home and we say, okay, in the next 40 minutes, let's pack up, get everything we need, all of our belongings, and let's go. So we go in and I am just digging through things. I'm like, okay, where's my earrings I wore at my wedding? Where's the pictures of this? And I'm just, you're grabbing everything. We have his pickup. 
I have my car and we're just shoving stuff in it. And um, we finally, the last trip, we go in the house to get our stuff. And at that moment, we lose all power in our house. We're like, okay. So we get in the car and to make a long story longer, we drive all the way down outside of town and it's bumper to bumper until we hit kind of Anderson. And then all of a sudden we start driving, we get there about 3 a.m. and we land and it's just eerie. The whole thing is eerie. I mean, you're talking to people and it's just chaotic. And um, we spend two days preparing to leave the country for two. And I, I think I told you guys this, but I wanna say I struggled with knowing if I should leave. Because when you're in this kind of crisis moment, I struggled with knowing, you know, is this inappropriate for me to get on a plane and leave the, leave town when I have friends and family that are here that are in trouble? And, you know, I, I can't, I mean, my family is there. They're wonderful, but they're very removed from it. This isn't their community. So they're saying, hey, do you want to go here? Or do you want to go that? And I'm like, I want to stay in my pajamas and watch the news. I don't want to do anything. I need to know what's going on. And they were, they were great, but that's where my head was at. And I remember just crying, just tears and saying, God, God, like, what do I do? I don't want to abandon my community. Um, and I also don't want to go somewhere around the world and preach the gospel. If I could preach the gospel in my own house and my own like community by serving the poor and the widows and helping. And I, I know that's part of your call. And so I heard the Lord so clearly tell me distinctly, Havilah, the gospel looks different on everyone. And I said, what, you know, what do you mean by that, God? And he said, well, the gospel is going to look different on you for this, the next two weeks. The gospel is going to look like you going to Australia and ministering to the people that have been waiting for you for over a year and, and, and sent the funds and sent the, took the time and the energy to get you there. And there's going to be people in your community that are going to serve meals and, and comfort those that are grieving. And that's the gospel in both areas. He said, then you're going to come home and you're going to find ways to help restore your city and bring in funds and, and serve. And that's going to look at like the gospel just as much as when you were in Australia. And it was just, I think it was so interesting because I think sometimes we can be distracted by what we assume is the holy thing to do or the worthy thing or even the right thing to do. And I felt the Lord just say, you have permission to be, I knew the seasons, I knew the timing I'm, I'm the God of all of this. So it's like, God, you're doing something in my city and I just had a baby. Like, how do I serve her? Hey, I'm, you're doing something in this area and now I'm, I have this job that's demanding. God goes, it's okay. It's okay. I know your season. It's okay. It's okay. The gospel looks different on everybody. Do the thing I asked you to do. Don't compare and don't, don't even assume that that's a more holy thing. Do the thing I asked you to do because if the if the body of Christ doesn't do what they're all supposed to do and we all run to the one thing, then the other parts of the body won't have that blood supplied to them, right? It, it'll it'll die and it's not how it's meant to be. So we um we went to Australia, which was incredible. We had an incredible time. We went to three cities and four churches. If you can imagine, um, I I spoke twenty times in fourteen days, so it was. It was an intense trip, um, but I knew if we're going to go over there and we're going to bring our family and, and there's going to be all these funds to get us there, I want to I want to be there with the community. I want to be preaching, praying, prophesying. I want to be spending time with my kids, playing. I, I want a full, I want to give it my all. I'm going to go. And so we did. And we had such a good time. Um, and all, I mean, 
even places I thought, well, we'll see how it goes. I was shocked to see the hand of God. So anyway, all that to say, that was pretty normal. We get home and they put in a new unit on the Monday we get home, our AC unit, back to the AC. And it stops working. We're like, okay, it was cool in the morning and now it's not cool anymore. It's cool in the morning and now it's not cool anymore. And we're like, awesome, it's broken. So Ben calls the AC guys and they're like, yeah, we gotta come out and check it out. It's three more days. Mind you, we've now pulled the AC units back out, <laughs> the one that we have left, and we're AC, we have our house. We're just putting in the bedroom to sleep and downstairs in the living room. So this, again, is this chaotic moment. And we finally, um, the guys come, and about Friday, they come to fix it again. Wait, no, no, today's Monday. So they didn't come till, today's Tuesday. They didn't come till yesterday. Um, but I, I'm getting ready to preach on Sunday at Bethel, and... I'm feeling it. I'm like, okay. And I tell my husband, I'm, I'm not doing well. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I know I was tired and I know that this has been, you know, monotonous. And, and let me say this, our city, you can feel it. Like I'm not a feeler in, in, in normal world, but in the spirit, you can sense, you know, there's grief. When you go through tragedy, you feel it. There's grief around this place. There's sadness. You know, somebody said, yeah, there's, there's mourning, there's, you know, joy for mourning and, and um, you know, the, and, and I forget my brain isn't working, but ash is going to turn into beauty, but there's a lot of ash and there is a lot of ash. There's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of, you know, the, the sky is filled with smoke and you go to drive towards the mountains and everything is, you can see this where things have been burned. It's not a normal environment. And, you know, people can't be outside because of the quality of the smoke. So there's just a lot going on. And I said, I just, I am not feeling great. I don't know what's going on. It feels, and then I realized Okay, and this is critical, and I think this is kind of something I want to remind you of, is when you're not doing well, and it's kind of something, you can have a bad day. You can have, even you can have two or three bad days where it's just like, I just can't get it together, you know? I don't know if it's hormonal. I don't know if it's exhaustion. I don't know if I'm, you know, just not there. I'm getting in my rhythm. But I do think that there's a spirit of discouragement that wants to come on us and hurt us. And... I think sometimes we make excuses for not being ourselves when really we need to actually legitimize that we're actually not doing well and we need help. We need a breakthrough. And so I, one of the things I've learned through my years of not doing well and not, I do well and I don't do well, you know, all those seasons is to, is to take a step back and to look at what's happening. So when I'm dealing with anxiety or fear or overly exhausted, overly discouraged, what, what's going on? I usually have to take a step back and say, okay, what does my, what did this season look like for me? And begin to actually see where I got stuck emotionally or where I got stuck mentally or spiritually or physically and begin, I think, and in my opinion, and what has helped me is when I actually give myself empathy for what I actually have gone through, not living in a victim mentality, not going, oh, your life is so hard. My life is not hard compared to many people in this world, but it is hard compared to what 
I need to, to do in my life and my own capacity and what I've been giving and not living in survivor mode, but living in a thriving mode. So what does that look like? So for me, I had to go back and go, this didn't start seven days ago when I got back from Australia. This didn't even start um, three weeks ago when we left for Australia. This didn't start a month ago. This started, this didn't start when the AC broke. This started all the way back when the contractor said, we're gonna need to clear your whole, your whole thing out by Monday morning. And that set off a chain reaction of not being able to catch up. I mean, the keys, I told you guys I lost my keys, never found them. Had to have the guy come out $500 to get the fob. I was like, you're joking. Then we get the fob. Then I take that to Costco. I get groceries for the first time in weeks and the fob doesn't work. So then we have to call, I mean, and the car's dead. I mean, it's just been one thing after the other. So I have to look at all of that and realize, realize number one, that I'm getting hit on a, on a couple different levels. And I just kind of want to remind you guys of this for those of you that are struggling, and this may not be your story. So you make it your story, but I have to look at it personally. Where am I struggling? So Internally, I'm tired and I'm feeling claustrophobic because I don't have my house and I don't have my environment. And I mean, again, this is a small, please, please, I want to be respectful of the fact that this is very small compared to world problems. But for me, um, I need a certain amount of space and reality to function with what the call of God is on my life and the, the demands and the mental space and the just all of that. I need that. So the house is an issue. Um, I would say for our city, there's also a spiritual and environmental issue that I'm experiencing. So it has nothing to do with even if our house was working and our marriage is good, good and our life is good and our kids love us, whatever. Even in the city, you get the spiritual sense that people are grieving and you're you're seeing this kind of sense of, of sadness and it's not normal. And then you have to not just look at your city, but you have to, and some of you with your churches, like you might have had something where someone passed away in your church or something happened where somebody left or something happened, but then you have to look at it as, a, as the world and nationwide. Now, praise God, we didn't have any massive tragedy this, this week or even this last couple of weeks, but in, in general, sometimes what you're experiencing has nothing to do with even your normal home or even your city or your church has to do with just this global idea of what we're going through. So really stewarding that and instead of being hard on yourself and going, what's wrong with me? I got to get it together. I got to be more spiritual. I got to have more faith. Realizing that all of that matters and it matters to God and it matters to how we do life and it matters to how we're functioning. So what do I do? First thing I do, I go back to my basics. What's my basics? Sleep, eating, exercise, life, things that help. So I go back to how's my eating? How's my sleeping? How's my inner relationships in my house with my husband? Let's go back to get a, let's get a date night. Let's go back to bedtime routine. Let's go back to simple things that help me structure externally what's happening on the inside. Second is I begin to go, okay, what are things I can do to feed my spirit? So what is that? Is it a book? Is it scripture? Is it uh, a certain message is it a certain worship worship song for me i've got two worship songs right now that are on repeat and they just there's life on them so i just play those consistently that's the manna that i need right now and then um i also look at ways to begin to get ahead so instead of going oh my gosh things are just coming my way 
I know I can disappoint a few things or a few people for a little bit, but if I can get ahead of the game and go, okay, how can I structure so that peace is coming my way? I'm not chasing peace. So I start to go, okay, instead of me chasing peace, like, does everybody have clean clothes? Do we have food in the grocery, in the, in the, in the refrigerator? Do we have, uh, you know, how's what's coming up next week? Instead of freaking out, I'll work my way back. So I'll say, okay, the end of August is next week. What do I have? And I'll work my way all the way through. Okay, now, okay, I need to structure my calendar. Okay, I need to think about food for the next week. Okay, I need to think about um, what are projects that I need to work on and just start to go back and move toward me and say, okay, if I can get all the way, then I'll, I'll look at dinner tonight. And if dinner is me picking up fast food because that's what dinner is today, I'd rather do that today and get to peace, bringing it toward me than chasing peace. So make it as easy as you can today to get some structure all the way so that on Monday, you know Monday's taken care of. So anyway, all that to say, that's really been kind of what we've done. And so this fall, I feel um, the Cunningtons are, we're in recovery mode. And I think a lot of people are in recovery mode here. So um, I grieve for people. I want to help. It's another thing Ben and I talked about was like, how can we maybe on Saturday or maybe some other you know day grab our kids and go whatever we can do. Uh, we have some plans. We're working on it. I can't wait to tell you guys about what we're going to be doing. Um, specifically, I want to do something at Christmas for car fire victims. So we're working towards that. So I'm coming up with ideas for that. And then also, um, you know, just, just re realizing that this is the first, gosh, this is the first fall that I've ever had that I... I'm not running after something, you know, like the last fall we were working for ourselves, but that all that had been scheduled a year before. So I was doing all the things I'd scheduled while being the director of Moral Revolution. So now that I'm not that director, I am now, this fall is something I've completely been able to structure and figure out myself. So um, it's an interesting season. So Overall, we're doing good. Overall, writing needs prayer. We need intervention, but it's we're doing good. Um, Sunday night, I got to preach a message about discerning the seasons. I don't know if anybody got to actually see that. If you did, don't forget to let me know. And um, I was surprised at how well it went, to be honest. You know, I didn't know. Sometimes when you get up to preach, you're not sure if the room is going to be like, mm you know, we're in a different season than you, or that's not the word we need. And, you know, you pray, you want God to give you what is the right thing, but you don't always get it right. I think that's one thing I think people don't tell us as communicators or ministers or in life, you just don't always get it right. No matter how much you prep, no matter how much you pray, no matter what you hope for, you never really know. It's like, it's like a worship set. You can lead a set of worship one day and it's profound and amazing and the next week you do the exact same preparation, the same team, and not, it just does, it falls flat. It, it, it's really, there's no secret about it. It's just how life is. Sometimes you have a great parenting week, sometimes you have a bad parenting week and do the exact same thing, but just how life is. So I've learned to let myself off the hook from that and say, okay, I, I can't win it all. I can't be perfect at all of this. I'm still learning as well. And so I uh, got up to preach about defining your season and I felt the room just embrace. And that was, that was refreshing and, um, relieving maybe. Can I say it was relieving? That feels weird. Like as if people are mean, but they're not it just, 
it makes for a long message when people aren't getting what you're trying to say. It, you know, people say, is it hard to speak? It's, it's hard to communicate um, in general, but it is way more difficult because when people aren't with you, I always say 50% of the momentum in the room is your preparation, but the other 50 is the room pulling it out of you. So that's why I almost think sometimes there's incredible speakers that speak really good every time. And it's not because their preparation lacks at all, but people know, oh my gosh, this person's gonna be speaking, I'm there. And they bring a certain amount of anticipation in the room and energy that you can't muster, you can't actually make happen. It's just how it is. So sometimes we think, gosh, are they always good? Um, they're always, uh, oh, I hope you guys, they're always, you know, they're always bringing their best, uh, but the room absolutely matters. And sometimes I've preached in rooms where people could care less what I'm saying and I'm giving them everything and I feel anointed, but there's nothing I can do about it. If they're not there and they don't want to hear it, that's, that's kind of what it is. So last um, Sunday night was very good. Um, I want to tell you one other thing that I'm working on. Um, well, two things, three things actually that I'm working on right now. So for those of you that really like updates and want to know kind of what's in my head and where I'm going, um, the first thing I'm working on is a series. It's going to be a series of short e-courses called Crash Courses to Communication. And the goal of these was that every email and communication that I get consistently, like almost once a day, somebody reaches out to me and says, how did you learn to preach? How did you write a book? How did you, how did you start your podcast? How do you, and people always want to know, like, what are the secrets? As I would want to know, how, how did you do this? How did you grow what you're, what you've grown? And, um, so my goal is to prepare these short courses that will allow you to know here's, here's five, six, seven weeks on how to, you know, how do I write a book? Well, it's great to be inspired to write a book. It's great to have encouragement, but how do you actually do it? So, I mean, basic things like here's the first thing you need to think about. Here's the second thing you need to think about. Here's the third thing here and how to know how to move forward and, and kind of find out maybe where you've gotten stuck or if it's really something God wants you to do or you want to do, I should say. So that's part of that. I'm also going to do a course on preaching that actually how to preach, how to prepare a message, how to present a message. I'm going to do a course on um, how to start a podcast, how to grow your social influence, um, how to have, how to actually steward itinerant ministry. I'm going to do a course on that. So people know how to do that. So my goal is always to kind of unpack all of that. So you guys understand how, and then, um, secondly, and I haven't started this fully, but my goal is, um, my goal is to start writing the prophetic personality book. I'm just going to say that out into space so that you guys can hear it. And it's my lips to God's ears. My goal is to start that book and really go after that topic of the prophetic personalities. How do you know what God is saying? And not just the course that we did and not just the quiz, which we've had hundreds of thousands of people take that test. It's crazy how many people have taken that test. Hundreds of thousands of people have, have are curious about how they hear God. But then also taking that and throwing it into a book where people can actually spend time reading it, learning the strengths, learning the weaknesses, learning how to cultivate it, maybe even having the test in the book so you can give it to somebody that can take the test and then figure that out. Maybe even a couple chapters or a chapter on your kids, 
maybe leading your kids and understanding what your kids are. They know where feelers, hears, seers, and how to define that and discern that, and then how to steward that in your kids' lives. And then um, how to lead with your gift, but also build a leadership team around you that has a different gift structure. And then my goal would be, fingers crossed, my goal would be to actually um, take some focus groups of people that have that. So feelers, interview them. Hearers, interview them. And just have some really cool ideas of how this has worked in their own life so that we can grow that. So that's another thing. So pray for me that we get going on that. And then lastly, in January, we will start our brand new, it's a free study. We throw it out to the world as a gift every year. We're like, hey, we love you guys. You guys support us all year long. We want to be a part of your January moment to help you build uh, your life on purpose. And so uh, we'll throw out a course. And I, my son, my 11 and a half year old son named this course, and it's called Leap Into Love. And so our goal, our whole course is going to be called Leap Into Love. That'll be January. And it'll be about um, a radical love towards the person that God created you to be. And then radical acceptance, accepting who that is. So it's going to be really exciting. I'm actually excited. It's like a study I've never done before. And I've never taught on this subject before. There's a lot of amazing men and women that teach on this topic. So I don't necessarily feel like I need to tackle it. But I don't know, just seeing seeing social media and people's lives and raising kids in this generation, I think that having this topic is critical to really getting a biblical perspective of loving ourselves and what is that even biblical and, and all that idea. So we're going to talk about that. So the Bible study, which is totally free in January, you guys will be following us on that. Secondly, the prophetic personality book is a huge project. And then not only that, the course, uh, the crash course communication, which is going to be more of a leadership like you're going to want to, that's an investment piece. So it's, it's very intensive and extensive. So that's something simple. So there's different levels you can join us at. Um, and then also our podcast, check out our, obviously stay connected to this podcast, subscribe so you don't miss any of them. And then please, please, please. I know I literally listen to podcasts every day where someone says, leave me five stars and Hey, don't forget to leave me review. And I, it always, I'm always rolling my eyes as I hear someone say it, like, okay, <laughs> like you need to be support, supported. And I didn't understand it until we started having a podcast. And I realized that if you don't continue to have reviews and people like giving information about it, it doesn't land in people's feeds and they can't actually find your podcast. So that's really what it is. So I'll, of course, I love to hear your thoughts and I always read every review. So all that to say, I know this has been kind of an interesting uh, podcast, but I'm glad that we could sit. Kind of felt like we had coffee, although I'm the only one that talked. I realized that was a little rude, um, but this is where we're at. So pray for us. I'm praying for you. Whatever difficulty that you're facing today, whether it be something tangible in the world, something tangible in your work or in your church or in your family, or whether it just be internally, I'm praying for great breakthrough that God would... God will intervene and show you exactly what you need to do in order to grow the life that you're called to grow. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, don't forget to give me a shout out on, so on the socials. I'm there almost every day and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.